0: I don't know about you, but I'm predicting a lot of exciting, amazing things that happen to the groups. Like big, big, like big, like not just big,
1: but big time stuff. I'm telling you bro, it's been happening, bro. Uh, not too much. Okay. Still hitting the more Peggy on <laughs> Welcome back to Riff Raff. Shane Terrio here. Thanks for tuning in. How is everybody? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. Um, Yeah, it's been a while, but um, everything's been good. Hope everybody's staying healthy during these crazy, crazy times. Couple of announcements. uh, A little shameless self-promotion, but it is my podcast, so I'm launching a new website, completely revamped. I'm really excited about this, shaneterrio.com. Yeah, really original, I know, but hey, it's easy to find, and you'll love it. I mean, I've got a lot of new instructional things up there, a lot of music. I've been spending a lot of time posting new things, and I will continue to do so. Um, I encourage you to go check it out, sign up. Mailing list. Uh, there's going to be a lot of exclusive content, a lot of new music I've been writing that's not available anywhere else. Uh, also, I've been hit, you know, a lot of people have hit me up about doing lessons. Um, I'm going to do one called Mojo Mondays, and we're going to, it's going to be a live masterclass workshop. You know, I'll talk about all, all things guitar. And um, there's going to be a lot of things up there that aren't, I'm not putting it on YouTube or anything else. So check it out. I want to give a shout out to Elizabeth Dunn and Rex Singleton. Uh, thank you so much for the donations for Riff Raff. I appreciate your help and support. It means the world to me. Uh, and anyway, thanks all you guys for listening. Happy holidays. Check me out on Instagram, Facebook. And um, take care. Here's today's guest. My guest today is Mr. Guthrie Trap. Guthrie's a phenomenal guitar player, impeccable tone, taste, technique, and uh, as you as you hear now, it's a tune called "Pick Piece" from his record of the same name, "Pick Piece." Urge you to check that out. I'm sure you've probably heard of Guthrie if you're checking out this podcast, but if not, you're about to become a fan by the end of it, maybe halfway through. Yeah, Guthrie's probably known for playing with Jerry Douglas early on. That was. Uh, Probably the first gig where he got to showcase his abilities. You know, he's one of the best guitar players, not just in Nashville, but basically anywhere. And um, great guy. Always great to see him. This episode is really fun. I mean, we really, uh, it really kind of went instructional for a while. So you'll probably get a lot out of it. A lot of licks. How many licks does it take to get to the end of this podcast? Well, the world may never know, but... You may steal a few before the end of it. Guthrie's also a very successful teacher. You can check him out on artistworks.com. We talk about that as well. And it was great to have him on. Hope you enjoy it.
2: Let's <laughs> try
1: At the Twilight Zone chord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm always in
3: the Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spy chord. I love that.
1: <laughs> Tonight on the Twilight Zone. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Guthrie. Oh, man. Killing. I'm here with my bro, uh, Guthrie Trap. I'm, hey. I'm here taking a
3: guitar lesson. Shit,
1: yeah, right. Shit. <laughs> oh, my There's, God. I'm going to have to get... Um, the, the lady that cleans our house to come up and sweep the floor after all those notes yeah, on the floor. Right. All our notes, we. Uh, oh. I'm suffering from deadly note buildup. Well, that's have early. Gigging. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I'm getting scraping it off like plaque.
3: Right, right. <laughs> I, I totally understand that. It's just, it's nice to sit and, and play guitar with somebody man it's I been know, a while man.
1: are you comfortable because i don't want you to have to lean you want me to get you another chair you no good? no no. i'm I good, good. I I'm, I'm gonna scoot up Mike. a little bit yes i'm up. good so Guthrie's just hanging in uh new orleans for a week and we uh a couple mutual friends and our we went to dinner last night and yeah man why not take advantage of you being in town to be a guest thanks for coming by
3: Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Guthrie
1: sounds fine through that Viber Lux. And, well, you would have sounded fine through my pig Super nose, nice, man. That's a... Lush. Yeah, I love warm, that. Warm.
3: Yeah. yeah, that's a great sounding guitar, too, man. I can't believe I'm playing a guitar that that uh, belonged to John Schofield. Yeah. And now it's yours. He gave it to you.
1: Yeah, it was a birthday gift. A birthday gift. Really cool. I know. It, it's so... It's an artist, an Ibanez artist, uh, his, his artist model, which is a, I use it all the time now, man. I take that in a Strat or a teledos session, done beautiful guitar that thing sounds killer for rhythm it stays in tune i just used it on this girl's record this week so the strings are a little funky on it but you sound it feels dumb. good yeah yeah it tunes up like a piano man it's a great guitar it right. really
3: does sound great yeah man it, I, you know i i got called to do this clinic in south africa and so i arranged for my mom and dad to be able to go i'm an only child so i arranged for my mom and dad to be able to go with me and we went over there for like three weeks three weeks right at the beginning of march and so that was right when all this stuff started happening, and then so we got back safely and everything, which was a a kind of a, you know, a little bit of a stressful ordeal, but not too bad. We ended up lucking out, but when we got back to Nashville, of course, I did the 14-day quarantine and then started, you know, just seeing how everything was going, and obviously no live music or anything like that, and so after, you know, kind of hanging out for, Four or five months, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we said, well, look, let's meet in the mountains over in the Smokies. We'll do a week just to get out of town. I just needed to change the pace yeah. and so change the scenery. So we went over there and then went to Asheville with our buddy Peyton, who you met last night. And then um, and then we drove down to New Orleans and I'm just here kind of indefinitely, you know, yeah. hanging and, and you know, doing this with you, which is awesome. And then yeah, just Kevin's seeing gone. what happens, you know, I mean, after being in Nashville for almost 20 years, it's kind of it's kind of time for a little uh, change the scenery a little
1: you know it's cha- good to mix it up yeah bit. yeah you a know, little inspiration keep things from being a little uh what you, what's the word I'm I'm thinking of incestuous yes I yeah. mean I think it's good to mix things up musically I'm about to do the same thing myself actually so yeah we have a mutual friend Doug below but I, I think we maybe met before then I don't remember but yeah we have many mutual friends and one mutual boss right John Oates
3: that's right yeah yeah. What a
1: crazy. You were talking about him last night. He's a really great guy and uh, one of my favorites
3: of all time, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I consider, you know, myself super lucky to be able to work with with these people and I've always just gone where the good music, the work and the good people are. I never really had a plan on uh, like, you know, a goal or a plan. I just knew to keep keep going where the good music is and if you're unhappy in a situation, get out and change it until until you're, you know, in the right, right groove, right, and then met Oates and tell you right with Jerry Douglas about fifteen years ago, and mm-hmm. just kind of hit it off. I didn't really even know at that point who Hollow Oates were. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up listening to that music, or my, you know, my parents listened to a lot of um, bluegrass and folk music and some some jazz, but nothing like I know about th- those players now. Like we didn't, I didn't grow up on West Montgomery or anything mm-hmm. like that. I didn't know who those names were until people started getting me hip to those and. But, you know, so I wasn't really aware of any 80s pop music or, or hard rock or anything like that, you know. Right. And probably why I gravitate more to always, you know, usually playing, especially in a situation like this with a clean tone. Yeah. And uh, and if I get on a gig, I use more overdrive and stuff, of course. But, you know, it just I've always just kind of naturally gravitated towards a, you know, front pickup, warmer tone. And a lot of people know me for playing Telecaster, country music, but it's really just guys like you and me and 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 um you know people that are kind of influenced by a lot of different kinds of music we just play the to the song you know if it's a country song we play country if it's a blues tune we play blues if it's something yeah. like we just did we go we go to the feeling of the yeah, music
1: your in- musical instinct yeah, yeah but
3: to not you know to to keep from rambling on but meeting oats and um you know it's interesting because how that I worked know, out yeah. you know
1: yeah, and I've played with him a few times too. On his, it's I guess he would call John stuff more sort of Americana country mm-hmm. roots. Yeah. Totally, yeah. Uh-huh. It's funny, man. Um, our mutual friend Doug Below is a great drummer. Yeah, he, uh, he. It's kind of a funny story, I should probably say, but you know Guthrie. <laughs> when I first met Guthrie, he was playing with Jerry Douglas. Jerry Douglas is a world renowned Dobro player. He's a great guy, and Doug Below was his drummer. He still is his drummer. But one of those funny stories, like you're saying you didn't know anything about Oates. Mm-hmm. Doug went to Nashville to audition for Jerry Douglas. That's right? right. Yeah. And I remember when he told me, he's like, I'm going up to Nashville to audition. I said, dude, that would be great if you got that gig. Cause in Nashville it'd be sort of like the equivalent of the the you know, having the cloud of playing with like Zappa or something in the bluegrass where you'd right. automatically be in with a lot of people. Instant street yeah. cred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so Doug goes up to audition. And he nails the audition. He said it was at Jerry's house. Mm-hmm. And I then, was there, yeah. Oh, you were there? Yeah, yeah. And then after, Doug says, uh, man, you know, you look a lot younger than than I would have thought, you know, in those movies <laughs> and stuff. And Jerry's like, <laughs> movies? What? Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. He goes, yeah, I mean... I saw you in smoking the bandit and stuff when I was a kid, he thought he was Jerry Reed. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he didn't even know Jerry Douglas was unbelievable. And Jerry just laughed at it, I guess. Right. I it, was it was so, so fun. funny. Cause
3: Jerry's got an unbelievable sense of humor. And so, I mean, he, yeah, he was just like doubled over laughing, you know, and he just thought it was awesome. And of course those guys, they love that kind of shit. Yeah, you know, they love it. And so, uh, but Doug was in immediately, you know, what's funny is he was, Doug was playing a bunch with Jack Pearson up there. And so I, that's the first time I heard him play. And I thought, well, God, this is incredible, you know? And so the guy that was going to play with us when I first joined Jerry's band, we haven't even done a gig yet. We were still rehearsing and stuff. And, and this guy uh, bailed at the last minute. He had something come up, like, I don't know if it was a family emergency or something, but he had to cancel the whole first leg of this tour and so Jerry was trying to figure out who, who to get. And, and, and um, me and Todd Parks, the bass player, both kind of at the same time said, and I kind of stepped out, you know, a little out of my comfort zone because I just had just met Jerry not that long ago. And I, and I, but I knew I was so, my intuition was so strong at that point. I said, Jerry, I said, before you hire anybody else, please listen to this guy. Please check this guy out and he did mm. you know it ended up working out perfect yeah I just know you know because normally i wouldn't have uh, yeah. who, who am i to recommend somebody to somebody like jerry you know but we we just knew that it was going to be awesome
1: but that's great man yeah going yeah, back to Oates, funny story guthrie was uh we're in new orleans right now guthrie was here a year or two ago playing out out somewhere out of new orleans with john oats and john calls me or texts me he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i told this story last night it's freaking great he goes man freaking guthrie like you didn't bring a guitar strap you know and like i can't get anywhere because of mardi gras parades is there a, is there a way the runner can't get to any stores like you have an extra guitar strap and i i said yeah man no problem but it's got a big confederate flag on it but you can have it i <laughs> let guthrie wear that on oh my god Oh, that was great but funny as shit anyway Let's talk about you. I'm sure, you, you know, I know you've been on a bunch of podcasts and interviews and things, so I don't want to go into like every beginning thing, but you, when you first started playing, were you, you were inspired by, um, was it more country music or like, who was the first guitar players that, what, what made you want to pick up the instrument originally? Cause I don't know this stuff actually.
3: Well, uh, so to go back to the, to, I'm from the, the Gulf coast on the Florida, Alabama state line I'm about two and a half, three hours east of here. And my mom and dad are not musicians. You know, they're not musically gifted or talented or whatever you want to call it. But my dad's youngest brother was a self-taught musician, and and uh, he played and had a bunch of different instruments around his uh, place. And uh, I hung out with him like an older brother. Like I said, I'm an only child, so gravitated towards hanging out with him, super cool guy. And, um, and had you know, had different groups of people that he played with, some bluegrass guys, some kind of blues and you know kind of mild rock and roll kind of stuff and just um that kind of thing but but, but i was always around a lot of live music all of my family's friends were musicians of mm-hmm. some sort down there and um and there was always good music playing never there was no i wasn't raised on any um top 40 radio not that there's anything wrong with that but it was just more um roots american roots music uh, one of my, uh, my dad's middle brother, uh, was more into jazz. So I heard guys like, um, Jean-Luc Ponty and, uh, you know, um, a little bit of John Schofield when I was really young, but I didn't really understand it back then. And so, you know, I didn't get hip to that stuff until years and years later. Uh, but I, I, you know, blues, bluegrass, uh, really good songwriters. Like they, all, they were huge, uh, Van Morrison, Jackson Brown, Bob Dylan fans, uh, Neil Young, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I was learning how to play the mandolin and acoustic guitar, like flat picking stuff. Uh, I was jamming on my uncle's electric guitar, like a, a 335 uh, style guitar. I was playing along to records like Johnny Winter and the Allman Brothers mm-hmm. and Leonard
1: Skinner. So roots, kind of Southern rock, St- Southern stuff, rock,
3: yeah. blues, stuff like that. And then God, God's then, music. Then I, Yeah. And so then I really got into that stuff. But uh, and then, you know, I, I wasn't raised on any country music. I, my yeah. family didn't listen to country music. Yeah. I mean, it was more John Prine and stuff like that than it yeah. was, uh, you know, I didn't really listen to, we, we, they weren't listening to Merle Haggard or or Buck Owens or anything like that. I really didn't get hip to that stuff until I got to Nashville. Oh, wow. You know, and so uh, I joined this band down on the Gulf Coast. We, we uh, joined up with this guy that writes a lot of original music. He was from New York so he kind of got me turned on to like Cuban music and different things like that. And then, uh, Oh, I forgot to mention my, uh, you know, I was also listening to a lot of David Lindley and Rye Cooter and stuff mm-hmm. like that as, as a kid, cause my uncle had all those records. So kind of a diverse, you know, somewhat diverse, uh, album collection, but, um, but so, you know, then, uh, where was I going with that? Shit! What was I just talking about?
1: Well, I was just asking about what made you pick up the guitar, and, and then you're talking about a club you were playing with a guy who wrote original. Oh, so
3: we, we had this original band down there, and and so
1: was that at the floor? That was at
3: the floor, Bama. We played all the venues on the Gulf Coast, in Pensacola, and Mobile, and all around the Gulf Coast. But I never learned any cover songs. That was the interesting thing. Like the only cover, you know, cover songs I learned were like bluegrass standards. Mm-hmm. And so I mainly played with origi- a lot of original music. So I didn't learn, like most guitar players would probably learn some Beatles songs or some Led Zeppelin songs or something like that. I never did that. I don't know any of those songs at all, uh, partly because I think my family, their friends were all musicians and songwriters, but of that kind of vein that I was talking about. But And so we had this band and, uh, you know, I was trying to figure out my gear and my guitars and all the things we do when we're a teenager changing pickups and trying to find all these different sounds i was looking for and um some for some reason gravitated towards the telecaster i don't know why 335 and telecaster because i think of playing so much acoustic guitar back then they were the most stable solid instruments the least amount of moving parts of any guitar so i gravitated towards the telecaster and then Danny Gatton I got turned on to, and I thought, wow, this is amazing. This guy's c- combining all these different styles that I love into one solo sometimes, you know. I thought this is really cool. So I learned a bunch of stuff from him on some videos and stuff and kind of saw his way of explaining in, a, in kind of his hillbilly way, which he said himself, of playing jazz, which is thinking of playing, you know, um, I don't know any theory. I didn't go to school or anything. But, you know, if, if you're playing in E-Dominant e 7, You can play B minor ideas. You can play G major seven ideas, just simple little um, superimposing things like that. And that kind of helped get out of the pentatonic box and start learning some different harmony and stuff, which you can tell when I play, I'm not, I don't know really anything about jazz or heavy fusion music, but I, I kind of have the flavor of it, you know, a little bit, but but, uh, stuff like that. And then, you know, so when, so, so playing all these gigs with that band on the Gulf coast, when I got to Nashville and started playing with Don Kelly, I kind of had the country vocabulary a little bit together, but then really learned more of that stuff when I got to Nashville and got that gig with him and played for four years with him at Roberts on Broadway. Now,
1: now Don Kelly, for those of you that don't know, and, and you could fill it, in, but he, he was like – he was kind of like the uh... – what's the word i'm looking for he's
3: like the godfather of broadway
1: of, of broadway in nashville so like if you were in his band he always had a reputation of having like badass hot young gun guitar players yeah right? that was another yeah.
3: kind so of instant street cred yeah
1: street cred yeah yeah a calling card immediately mm-hmm. get to yeah town. so
3: guys like um uh brent mason started with don oh johnny, Brent
1: was with Don. johnny
3: highland uh you know jd and di- these guys and and so i did it for four years after johnny highland and that's what i really learned but don the thing about don is he's from tyler texas he would be an r&b and blues guy you know if he had his way but he he just you know he realized that he could do his kind of amped up version of all these country standards and classics and they were just funny shit to play you know what
1: about red volcar was red Volcart was yeah. in his band I yeah i red. totally forgot about yeah. red yeah yeah so there you go that's pretty good company really
3: good company man and i was just like i said i didn't know what else to do i moved to nashville and i had heard about don kelly because they played the their cd in the local music store in pensacola and i heard johnny and he was doing Uh. these cool steel bins and i said man who is that and the guy goes oh we we just got back from the nam show and we heard this guy down at roberts and so you know five years later when i moved to nashville i just thought well i don't know anything i guess i'm gonna go to this bar called roberts and i stood in the doorway and drank beer for the first month and met the band and they all knew me because i was there you know three four nights every weekend and i just told don i said i said hey man i just moved to town if Johnny ever can't make the gig, I'd love to sub for you sometime. And he goes, Oh man, we don't ever, we don't even let anybody sit in, you know? And Don's kind of a, uh, kind of a gruff mm-hmm. dude and uh real to the point, you know? And, and so finally we ran into this mutual f- songwriter, friend of mine, uh, a friend of ours on the sidewalk. And he goes, man, you ought to get this kid to sit in with you sometime. And Don, and then that was like my way to get oh, in. Okay. So I went down and sat in with him on a real s- icy snowy Sunday night. And, Don loves the blues. I didn't even bring a Telecaster to that gig. I brought like a Guild hollow body, (laughs) and uh, and even though I knew that was like a Telecaster heavy gig, but Don loved that because he's a blues guy at heart, you know. Uh, And so he just liked that I did something a little different, I think. And and uh, and anyway, that turned into that was like my launching pad into Nashville, you know.
1: All right, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew you had worked with him, but uh... yeah, pretty fun, man. So you've been in Nashville 20
3: years coming up on 20 years. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just turned 41 in February.
3: So, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like the stuff we were talking about last night about your health and just having to kind of tone it down a little bit from when you're in your twenties and thirties. Yeah. That's kind of hitting me right now, 41 years old. And like, I can't eat and drink what I want to be able to anymore for a little while or maybe forever. Another few (laughs) weeks. And so, you know, it's (laughs) funny when you, when you get to that age and, and, that I've age been, dude. I've been, <laughs>
1: like 40 years old
3: i've been teaching a lot and it, it's cool it's cool though to realize for the first time like okay i think i actually have enough experience to be able to share some things uh-huh. with other people that might not be total bullshit <laughs> <You> <laughs> is know? that what
1: you're doing i mean we can get into this later but you're doing a lot of teaching now right like you have a, a on i know you have a pretty big online school or a, a lot of lessons you do yeah it, it just came from
3: um from you know being presented with the opportunity to do it, I didn't search out or seek yeah. out to be a teacher at all. But people years ago started asking about learning some chicken picking stuff, yeah. and these Belmont students were like, "Hey, man, you know, can you just show us how to go from the one to the four chord?" Even though they're in jazz guitar school, and it was the theory was confusing to them, you know. And so, um, uh, yeah, so I took on a couple students, and then as that developed, and I started. For some reason, I don't know why, but I got into doing the social media thing mm-hmm. and then years ago and then started my YouTube channel a couple a year or a year and a half ago and just started taking off. And I got uh, this company in California called Artist Works, uh, pre- you know, they, you know, presented me with this opportunity to do a school with them. And uh, so we did the whole, full curriculum and everything. And, and I was I, I wasn't touring a whole lot at that point with uh i never really you know never i feel consider myself lucky to never have to tour with a real commercial country band right or record on those records even or anything i just kind of always <laughs> you know it was just a little different path <laughs> uh, yeah. you know i ended up in no, a different a little different place but yeah so they saw that i was active on social media and they wanted somebody that could teach and that was a decent guitar player but they also wanted somebody that was that they knew was going to promote it yeah you know because it is a business and so started doing that got better as a teacher i think and you know, I, I learned as much as anybody else doing it and and I, I enjoyed doing it before the covid thing happened as we all know i, I had a really good situation because i was playing enough live gigs doing the stuff with oats and sean camp and some different people that i work with in town uh some some of my own stuff uh charles Wigwalker, walker this great old soul sure, singer up i used there. to work with him yeah, yeah. And one of my really good friends, like, so there's, I had a just, you know, from that amount of time in Nashville, had a really great uh, network of friends, different live gigs, a lot of musical diversity. I was happy doing, Uh, staying in town, had the lesson thing going. Uh, Like you, you know, have, you know, got some uh, rental property that helps. And so I didn't have to play any gigs or any music that I didn't want to. Yeah. And so, uh, and mainly hang around people that I didn't want to be around. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> let's just
1: say let's That's just really get real what it's all about yeah <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to get on so, a bus with right. a bunch of right. pissed off right, right. complaining musicians or a bunch get of, on a session where everybody's
3: yeah yeah bitter bitter yeah. bitter people but um but so i was in a good place you know and and the teaching was uh, was enough you know there was five or six good things going on to where i wasn't getting burned out on one thing mm-hmm. and so then when covid hit i was like oh well well what's going to happen now? You know, when I got back from Africa, I thought, I thought, Oh shit, the first phone call I'm going to get are my tenants saying that they can't afford to live here. And then everything's going to fall apart. I was, you know, catastrophic thinking. And I was like, Oh God, man, this is going to be awful. Well, none of that happened. You know, we, we worry about these things and, and 90% of the things we worry about never happen. So I'm really, lucky there. The artist works thing and the teaching stuff got even better because everybody's home right
1: what a great that's what i was going to say and what's so, perfect timing for and, you right now and so a- uh,
3: my house and everything in east nashville was okay after the tornado and so i went from being super paranoid about everything to actually having some survivor's guilt yeah because all my friends are even this thing is the first i think we mentioned this last night but this covid thing is the first time that that in the music industry everybody's being affected no matter what level you're on it doesn't matter if you're britney spears or if you're uh a guy in a van touring out of that's Nashville. True.
1: Everybody's affected. Everybody's and affected worldwide. And worldwide, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah when you think about it.
3: Man. So I'm super fortunate to be able to. It's up to today, right now. What is it? Noon. Up till today, <laughs> well, everything's okay. Yeah, it's and So I'm just grateful that everything's okay till right yeah. now. And you know, we could all get a phone call in the next. Well, that's a you good know, way to think, man. You know,
1: I, I read this thing once that we should think of daytight compartments. Yeah. Just worry about today. Yeah you know yeah I totally agree it's never agree. worked for me but I try to think about yeah. it <laughs> it's like well okay but I have a like I could get my wisdom teeth pulled at 4.30 so that's still in today yeah. so I have to worry and about if, that
3: and if that doesn't work there's five bars within walking distance from your house from here, hell
1: yeah there are <laughs> yeah absolutely oh man
3: that's not to ramble on and on and on but but i'm definitely i'm definitely fortunate and and that that kind of thing just you know that happened but a lot of young kids will message me and and go hey i'm a i'm an aspiring session guitar player or i want to move to nashville and be a guitar player what should i do and sometimes if i'm in a good mood i'll I'll say hey man (laughs) if you're in a good give (laughs) me a call let's talk about it i'll I'll sit on the phone and talk to you for 30 minutes about it and give you my spiel. Right. But usually I tell them like, Hey man, this is what I did. You know, I, I, I knew that I didn't want to play. I, I I think it's more important to sometimes know what you don't want to do. than than even knowing what you do want to do. Cause then you can eliminate all that shit. It's great. Kind of, kind of go with, with what you want to do. And don't, don't learn a bunch of music that you don't like, learn what you like. And if you're, if you're going to gravitate and be good at the things that you enjoy doing, you know, I, I, I'm i not cut out to be a, a five-star A-list Nashville session musician. I show up with a couple of guitars. I sound the same on every one of them, and that's just kind of what it is. And I learned years ago that not, not to fight it, you know, like don't go out and buy every pedal that your favorite guitar player has because he's already doing that better than anybody's going to be able to do ever. Mm. And so you got to kind of find out what you like, dig in, get good at it. And, and you're going to be happy because that's going to send you down the right path to mm-hmm. where you need to end up. And I also tell them like, look, you know, I didn't have any kind of, I quit school two weeks into the 10th grade, never went back, never learned any music uh, on paper. And, and, um, and so, you know, um, I, I had a, I had a long-term kind of like dream or vision or whatever kind of way out in there in, in the, in the future but I never had any hard, fast goals like, okay, I'm going to move to Nashville, and if things aren't working in three years, I'm going to move to L.A., and then if things aren't working there in two years, I'm moving to New York or I'm going to move into Paris or or wherever. You just kind of got to stick around a little while, I think, and and find out. And if it's really not working after a chunk of time, maybe reevaluate your your situation. But, uh, you know, I just kind of, like I said, I kind of didn't have a, a hard, fast plan kind of saw out in the future kind of where I wanted to end up or some guys careers that I thought would be kind of cool to emulate or, Oh, this guy's doing five or six different things. That's really cool. You know? And then, um, I just kind of, like I said, went where the good, went where the, I moved to a town where a lot of my heroes lived when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, went where the good, the good people and the good music and the work was, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and, and that seemed to work you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. I mean, sure. there's a
3: lot of shit that I wish I'd be doing. I mean, I, I wish, I wish that, um, you know, we all, we all look back and, you know, the hard thing about it is, is knowing that, y- you know, deep down that you have a lot of potential and a lot of natural ability or, or whatever we want to call that a gift, or you worked harder when you were younger or whatever it was, your family was into a, a lot of good music or wherever we come from, but then realizing that, you know, you haven't really, you're not really living up to the potential you really have. Yeah. And that's something that that's one of the only things that, you know, I wish I would, I wish I would just, I would just wish I wasn't so fucking lazy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's your, there's your <laughs> nugget of advice. Well, I don't think it's held you, know, you back, but man. But
3: we're yeah. all hard on ourselves because we are our own worst critics because we do care about the music. We know that, we know that, that there's a lot more to learn. And if we sat around and just pat our, patted ourselves on the back all day long, t- telling ourselves how great we yeah. think we are, we'd suck.
1: I think you, you said a lot, like especially these days where there's not a lot going on musically in clubs and stuff. It's, it's harder, but I think it's necessary to be around, kind of get your ass kicked musically a lot, yeah. especially when you're younger, man. If you yeah. can get in a spot where Nashville, L.A., mm-hmm. New York... I mean, I was doing that the last four years, you know, hanging with all these badasses, and and I would come back home and my playing was better. Like yeah. I could tell, it just elevates you to something you're never gonna get that watching YouTube. No, <laughs> you know? no, and, and just playing with other people, playing you know? with other people, getting yeah. on a session, like getting in getting in the room with the, the big dudes, you know, when you're young, and you yeah. know, all this, that's like a stepping stone thing, and, and
3: having but, some of those guys yell at you, you know, and 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 kind of scare you to death. <laughs> you're from not far from here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And did you, did you grow up playing a lot of live music in in clubs? Yeah.
2: Yep.
1: Mardi Gras parades, clubs, festivals. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. I I was making money with a guitar since I was 11 years old. Yeah. And it's, you can do, you could do that. You can still do it. Not now, but I'm sure it'll come back. But Mm -hmm. in South Louisiana, there's festivals for, there's there's a festival for festival season. There's festivals for strawberries. Right. Catfish. Yeah. Crawfish. I mean, you jazz festival. There's all kinds of stuff. So, and they people will come out and hear live music, even yeah. if it's shitty live music. They'll come out. And, so yeah, when I was a kid, absolutely, man. I yeah. was playing a lot and that was I I'm so glad I got to do that. You know.
3: i um, yeah, kind of the same for me, you know. That was it. It was you know, I, I wish a part of me, I've been spending more time in New Orleans lately than I ever have because of um, uh, this friend of mine that I connected with. And then, you know, having kind of a little bit of a network down here with through Doug. And I just met Kevin the other night and then I've known you for a while. And, you know, it's just uh, and I'm from this is kind of my latitude, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess that's the word. is it latitude or longitude? I don't know. Uh, it's closer to the equator. Starboard. <laughs> so, but you know, I'm I'm from not too far from here and and it it, it feels good to be down here. It's a yeah. totally different thing. Nashville's squeaky clean and and uh, not to say it's less real cuz there's some great great shit going on there that you will only know if you're there for a while. Yeah. What Nashville's known for on TV and the radio to me is the you know, and trust me, I get it more than anybody. It's a business and people are making money, but it's the worst shit there as far as I'm concerned. Mm. But great musicians playing on those records, Mm -hmm. but the writing and the art form to me is not anything that I'm interested in. Um, But if you go there and you get out and you meet people like Andy Reese and you see the time jumpers with Vince Gill and those guys, or you go see some stuff at Rudy's jazz club, there's even some great Cuban salsa music there with guys that are actually from Mm -hmm. Cuba and Puerto Puerto Rico and Venezuela. There's some great music in Nashville, Mm -hmm. but you got to be there and kind of know who to, who to find, you know, who to talk to. It's like, I can't come to new Orleans and go to bourbon street. I got to hook up with you guys and have you take me to, you know, Frenchman street or the maple leaf or wherever to hear the real shit. But, but, um, you know, kind of the same boat as you grew up playing in clubs playing playing with my uncle and then playing with some bluegrass bands and songwriters and stuff and i think that's really that's really where it's at i can say i'm proud to say that every dime i've ever made since i was 12 years old kind of like you was from playing the guitar mm-hmm. you know and we're lifers man like you know there's not you you they the mentality now and especially f- with 5 or 6 months of covid it really eliminates like we you know if you're not full of shit before you're really not going to be fu- you know there's no room for bullshit now after this covid thing we've all it's just made us all kind of like you know you 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 realize what's really important you realize who your real friends are you realize who you know the shit you want to eliminate out of your out of your life it really brings everything right into focus and man, we're you know we're in this for for to me the right reasons. We want to play music. It's not about the money. We need we need to make a living. But if you're getting paid a lot of money to play a gig that you're not happy with night after night, man, your days are numbered. You, it, eventually, you're going to get out of that situation, no matter how much money it pays. Mm-hmm. Now, I've never played with anybody like Bob Dylan or. Uh, or Tom Petty or any Bruce Springsteen, you know. Now, a gig like that might keep you around yeah. a little longer, but but that's also great music too. So yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you you, get, you know I understand. It's, you it's you kinda, can't just
1: do it for money. Yeah,
3: yeah, we're we're we're. I call them lifers, man. We're lifers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Um, <laughs> Why don't we talk about uh I don't know let's see what else um, okay here's something you can you can you can use this to give like a little mini lesson if you want what what's the most often asked request for you know when somebody hits you up on Skype or social media or whatever and say, man, I want to take a lesson like and you sit down, if you're gonna give somebody a ten minute lesson on what's the most the usual question you get is it chicken picking or is it like more technique or um chord stuff or
3: it's funny, uh, The the to answer your question, the number one thing that, that it seems people want to do is find h- out how to get out of the pentatonic box. How do I get out of the pentatonic trap? Or, hey man, I know all my chord shapes, I know all my scales, how do I make it sound like music? Right. That's the biggest number one question. And the number one answer for me, and I shouldn't even say this, but to me it's, that's the part that you can't really teach somebody, you know, you right. can, but that's the part that there is no magic pill for. It's like, cause there is like an interpersonal, almost spiritual aspect to music that I, I put it in that category. And then the other f- category is the actual physical ability of putting both of your hands on the instrument and getting a good sound out of your right hand and your left hand and rhythm and timing and your tone and all those things those are just tools to be able to get to the other part which is forgetting about all that shit putting that on autopilot subconscious and then actually trying to make something that sounds like a, a melody or or something that has a groove or hopefully both does that make sense yeah I totally mean, that yeah
1: music. it is hard I, I know what you mean and and to, it's hard like to said, t- make explain music, that well that's a subjective thing i mean music right. to some people well exactly music, but but is it musical to other people? But, uh, yeah, but I, yeah, the, the pentatonic box, when I was teaching that's, that would get asked that a lot. Yeah. You know, Cause you get, and then I would start saying, well, why, You're, <laughs> why do you want to get out of yeah. <laughs> this? That's rock guitar. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of what people, that's a right. lot of what you do. Oh, and, and so the other
3: thing that to, not to interrupt, but the other thing they always ask is, uh, how to play over chord changes that might be the number one how to get out of the pentatonic box and well, how okay to play so over if chord i was changes. a
1: student just tell me real quick what, what would you what do you tell people that the first thing the, the
3: first thing i say is is this is what changed my life because when i was learning a bunch of bluegrass flat picking tunes when i was a kid uh i was stuck trying to solo over gc and d chord on the first four or five frets of the guitar open chords right and so some people call them cowboy chords or whatever but just your open chords on the first three frets. And then uh, I wanted—I knew that I was trying to solo up the neck, and I was getting completely lost, just mm-hmm. uh, completely lost. And so I watched this video uh, of a guy, uh, and he said to to be able to open up the fingerboard, you got to learn your chord shapes and learn the scales and arpeggios and stuff, the information around those chords. So
1: like the caged forms What, what or people call the caged right.
3: system now, which... I hate that something's called a system, but it, it actually really works to me yeah. because I know where my kind of home bases are. It helps my hand position, mm-hmm. uh, and then it also helps you define the the chord tones. Mm-hmm. And so I say learn your learn your chord inversions. The chords the foundation. The arpeggios the first level of framework. The pentatonic's the second level of framework, and then the scale is the third level of framework. Yeah. And so if you learn, and then also people. I had somebody the other day say, oh, yeah, I know the A pentatonic scale. That means I can use that over everything, right? And I just right. I went, well, no, not really. And so then I'll say, look, like, um, okay, there's four four different sounds that you need to kind of get get to where you can start discerning, right? Say you're in the key of C, you need to l- look at C major, right. C major 7, C dominant 7, and C minor. Mm-hmm. And then you really need to be able to know the difference between targeting those chord tones to play over those changes. So I would say, if I'm playing something like this... (laughs) Right, which is uh, uh, E major, A flat dominant 7, the 3, C sharp minor 7, the 6... E7 to A to B or B7, and then back to the one, E. So if I was going to say how to outline those chords, well, you could play this. You know, you could play very simply, melodically over that chord change and still technically be playing over the chords. Like if I just played this... I'm just playing that you know two or three or four notes around the the C-shaped E chord pentatonic mm-hmm. but I'm still targeting, you know that becomes the flat 7 of your 3 chord and then so forth or I would say to take it to the next uh you know chapter I would say outline your 1 3 uh, maybe your 1 3 triad and so yeah. that would be uh, that would be first this I'd say maybe add the next note to it like the octave so I go so as soon as I I hit the flat seven you know immediately that's a dominant seven chord
1: the, the chord the strong chord tone yeah
3: so it would sound like uh Extra charge for mistakes. But Shane, Shane, of course, knows all this in spades. But that to me, that's that's kind of like for for me, it's kind of visualizing those chord shapes. And that kind of helps me get it under my fingers. Mm -hmm. And just seeing like, okay, and none of that was perfect by any means, but you get the idea. You know, going and then people will go, Well, how come that three chords not a minor? It has to be a minor. And I go, Well, it's not, because it's leading you to the To the uh, six minor, yeah. So it's all about the so it's the the major third, the flat seven, the one. How those lead? Because if you play over a five chord, this is my hillbilly way of thinking about it. The, if you play over the five chord, the dominant seven or the the flat seven of the five chord is leading to it's pulling your ear to the major third of the one mm-hmm. chord. It's a half step away.
1: Tension and release.
3: The tension and release. Mm-hmm. So that that pulls your ear to those other chords. So in order to to in order to play over chord changes, to me, you have to be targeting the chord tones.
1: That's great advice. Yeah. So it's how do you like the,
3: how do you look at that? Shane? No, I look
1: at it the same way, actually. Chord tones. <clears throat> same thing. Same thing. Really? I mean then you know, then you get a little more like I, I use that approach for years and years and years, and still do. Depending on the the chord progression, I'm trying to navigate. But then I watched an inter- interview with Matheny, Pat mm-hmm. Matheny, and and Pat was basically said, "Yeah, at this point, it's just 12 notes to me. I just right. I just think 12 notes. Yeah. So it's like a wider swath of right harmonic stuff to navigate. But it's kind right. of the same thing because your ear will pull you. But yeah, it's good to like what Guthrie's talking about is great advice, and it's like more stepping stone, mm-hmm. knowing where you can land, and you can craft melodies around those safe notes. You know, yeah, I love the way like that progression actually reminds me like something Willie Nelson would do. You know, and Willie <laughs> is actually can be quite raggedy on uh, guitar, but he plays it's some quite brilliant, beautiful, yeah, at the yeah. same time. I agree, man. And his thing is really. Uh, from that school of thought Chord mm-hmm. tones You know he'll he'll go uh, Like if I was If Willie was gonna You know yeah. he'll, he'll yeah, do yeah, that yeah. kind of thing Right Right <laughs> That's chord it Chord tones He'll land on the <laughs> That's it Yeah It, uh, that's it, and, yeah. And it pulls your ear like Guthrie was saying. You're, you're, you're going. Oh, that's. Oh, and it resolves. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment of tension right. and release. Right, and tension and release. You know. Yeah. It's jazz, you know, man.
3: Yeah. Willie. People may or may not know this, but one of like his favorite guitar players, Django.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Y-
3: you know, and and you don't want it to start sounding like a uh, an arpeggio exercise. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know a lot of times I'll go up a full arpeggio and then down the scale, uh-huh. and so not on not really on purpose, but my ear just you know it nothing outlines the chord quicker to me than one of those arpeggios. Yeah, like I said, you don't want it to start sounding like you're arpeggiating every chord because it's going to start sounding like an exercise. But in a split second, if somebody played this anywhere in the world you know that's an A flat dominant seven arpeggio it can't really be anything else I mean it probably can but you know so I'll go like over that chord and then right there yeah yeah going and then you're
1: Nice bends you're doing too are really nice. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And since I
3: haven't taken the time to to really learn what I'm doing on this guitar, that that's well, that's as far as, as I, that's as far as I've taken it as using those chord shapes. But you know, I hear these guys like Schofield and Shane. On your, I mean, your solo records are some of my favorite stuff. I mean, right. playing and tone wise and groove and everything, but I mean, the, the, you know, playing outside as people call it, playing outside and knowing where you're at and being able to, that's where it gets into like, I hate the term next level, but that's, that's really the next level. And that's where I want to, I want to start exploring how to get out of, of what, you know, I've been doing for the past 20 years and, and get to the next chapter where I can start looking at it more like the 12 notes and not. Just bound by the chord shapes because it is a it is a whole different thing,
1: and I know you know that you know. It is a different thing. I, I'm not definitely not a, you know. I'm not saying I can do it. <laughs>
3: you a question. So if, if, if you are to the point like where I'm at, where, okay, you know, I, I, I can navigate around uh, a few things, but I'm not a jazz player by any stretch of the word. And people think I am because I, they, they hear the flavor of it and they don't really realize that I don't know the harmony and the chord structure and that kind of thing. I can quote unquote fake it. Right. Which I hate to even say that. That's, but you do know it and if if you were me what what are the things that you start incorporating or start learning to be able to get into that next kind of chapter well, I don't, of
1: i don't know if i'm a jazz player either i can play jazz things but you know i don't um i've played with with a lot of jazz players that only do jazz mm-hmm. I, I don't know i would i don't know exactly what you'd be Is it, is it taking,
3: is it just keep, is it, is it, is it getting just more and more, you know, your, your chord vocabulary?
1: Well, I think it's expanding that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, bro. (laughs) I mean, I think it's probably like phrasing and, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole thing. I mean, there's a whole new language. It seems to me, I could be wrong, but like in New York. Mm Mm-hmm you know like the newer guys who's there's not new anymore was kurt rosenwinkle and right. he created this thing and it spawned all these new guys so in new york there's like you know they're playing what was it. he doing differently i think it was phrasing and it was uh like his uh he would do a lot of things like triplets and i never learned any of his stuff but he's a brilliant player but uh, yeah i think some of the uh, well to to sort of extrapolate on what you were saying earlier about uh yeah, that's a good word extrapolate yeah that's a good one that's a hell of a one get, <laughs> get out your wikipedia folks there. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh no you were talking about learning like cage thing just to get mm-hmm. back to that one thing i did see with him that was very helpful to me but i had already be- been kind of doing it like i used to have students that say oh yeah i know all my major scales yeah right. i know i i know the caged right, right? what else you got and mm-hmm. i'll go okay so let me see you stay in in uh third position on guitar mm-hmm. your index finger on the third fret your pinky on the sixth fret mm-hmm. let me see you play all 12 keys major right. scales right all 12 keys yeah. I put the metronome on you know 80 bpm or something right let me, let me see it and oh well they have to fumble around totally and yeah. move around no so mm-hmm. you don't really know you don't really know it, it. right because guitar right. can be a bitch to learn it, it's very difficult to sight read on because mm-hmm. we have so many positions Possibility and so many
3: things repeating, yeah. Yeah,
1: like you, you can play this C, right? And that is all the same middle ledger line C right. on, a, on a staff, music manuscript paper, on a piano. There's one way to play right. that note. Right. Eighty-eight keys. There's one it's of them. One of them. Yeah, yeah. We have like five. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that opens up a whole can of worms, and then it also applies to major scales, like you're, you like you're saying. So, I mean. This this is to kind of answer your question about jazz harmony. I think playing over chord changes, after a while on guitar, you want to get out of patterns on guitar. Like, mm-hmm. and the way to do that, it would I used to practice scales like this. So it can't obviously can't see this on if you're listening, but I would take this G major scale, and I would practice right horizontally exactly. But then not just that. I would I'd put a metronome on and I would just do random shit like I would go I'd write down like six keys mm-hmm. okay let's say G B flat D just A flat mm-hmm. I don't know if I can remember <laughs> G so I would start my G now what did I say um, B flat now I'm in B flat D flat now I'm in D flat um, I forget the other ones I'd said, but you just, I'm moving up the neck, mm-hmm. switching right in the midstream yeah. to a new position. I'm not per- playing the scale up and down. Oh, next one. No, mm-hmm. that's not how it works in real life. When right. You're navigating a right. chord change. Yeah. You, you, you might have a melodic idea that you want, you're hearing and you want to play, which is the absolute goal of jazz right. improvisation. As far mm-hmm. as I can tell. Totally. Yeah. To be able to express your ideas spontaneously and not be inhibited by a chord change mm-hmm. so if that chord is gone something right. weird i don't know yeah like it would never do that but you you want to be able to shift your your idea without having to think about stupid ass position changes right so yeah. i mean that would be how you get to the next thing with phrasing i've, I've seen cats do it and i do a little bit of it myself but that
3: and that will definitely help your ear absolutely because having to go from hearing that that root of g and then switching midstream to b flat yeah. and switching to that i mean let's see if i can do it i mean that's here. some so pretty like,
1: like i'll just I'll, i'm not i'm not gonna take up all your time that's a hell of an exercise yeah it is a really good exercise i practice it a lot so let's say i'm gonna keep it simple just for this let's say a f sharp And D, okay? You want me to hold that up to the mic? Sure. Uh, Yeah, so I can't do it. I will embarrass myself. But like, okay, A, F sharp. So I'm going to start here. That's my A down fifth position, Mm -hmm. whatever. So, okay, A, F sharp, and uh, D. So A. All right, let me hear it. So I'm going to keep it really simple. Eighth notes. Now, F sharp. D. See how I? A, F sharp, D. See, it's like a little game you can play. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if you practice that enough, then you're you can play. uh, That's a (laughs) thirty-year-old. It's still I worked. couldn't find the off switch. I, I bought this when I was at GIT in like wow. the early 90s at the store. It was the cheapest one they had because that's all I could afford. And the guy goes, well, you could buy this other one. It's a lot better. And I go, yeah, but it's $20. bucks. i will take the $8 one. He goes, that's awesome. it might last you the rest of the year. but uh, <laughs> It <right>, lasted 30 <laughs> it's <pretty> years. <laughs>
2: that's anyway, awesome. Uh, no,
3: that's a great exercise because, yeah, when, when you're, you know, and I'm one to talk because I'm the, I'll be the first one to get lost. But if you – are thrown some chord changes that are that are out of your comfort zone, you're 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 screwed. Yeah. You know?
1: Now in the real world of, you know, quote working stuff that you would actually get paid for that you you know, commercial mm-hmm. music or whatever session or Nashville. Mm-hmm you you know people will know, how would you use that but it's still useful like if you oh, totally. you know you're crafting a part or you're coming up with a hook or whatever it's you got to know where you're you're gone yeah. you got to know your chords. well tone.
3: and 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 for me especially if I'm playing like the mandolin or something which I do frequently uh you know you get some guy and you're on a session all day long and every song that he's singing that he wrote is in e flat a flat b flat yeah I mean you know they're like every i've been on sessions before where every song the guy wrote were all in flat keys Mm. and and yeah you gotta you gotta know how to play in flat keys you Mm -hmm. know and it can get like if people are practicing in their bedroom for 15 years and they only play in ga and e and e then yeah you get thrown another key and you're gonna be it's gonna be challenging for yeah (laughs) the hillbilly crutch Oddly, you know, Audley freed, right,
1: yeah, Aud- Audley told me this story he was on on my podcast too he told me this story that he was on this this one of these gigs, uh house band type things, and mm-hmm. Keith Richards was a special guest, so they were backstage working on a tune, mm-hmm. and Audley had a capo on, and keith was I, I don't know, man, it sounds like Keith might have been like kind of needle a little bit, but it was hilarious he he's looking he was how are you how are you hearing, how are you playing the?" And he goes, well, Keith. I mean, I just have it on the third fret. I'm playing up here, like I'm just, you know. And this is going to be my D, and it goes with you. you. And he goes, well, that's an A. And says, Yeah, but you're, you know, I'm capoed up, so I was like, I'm, and I'm tuned down or something, right? And then it went on and on. He was trying to explain it, and then Keith finally got it. And he goes, brilliant! Not even the bloody Germans could figure this out. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's awesome, man. Oh God! Uh, I used to do. I did a few records with this blue singer named Bobby Rush, and he called it a cheater. He's like, "Hey, Shane, let me hold your cheater, <laughs> cheater."
3: <laughs> That's awesome, man. And then you got somebody like Albert Collins that never took it off, oh, right?
1: No, man.
3: It's like it had that. I, I guess I wonder if it had anything to do with the fact that, like, you know how B B is like just a really resonant key. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it seems like you know right in here that that chord just sounds good Uh, in that part of the guitar. I wonder if he felt that and just said, I'm moving everything to that. You know, like if you have an acoustic and you capo up on the fourth fret or something, it gets real, the string tension gets tighter and it just gets fun to play. I don't know.
1: So tell me about here. your school. Is uh what's it called and how can people find it? And-
3: yeah. So uh um I'll give you the whole end of the end of the podcast spiel. Yeah, so we'll um do it. yeah, if you wanna if you wanna check out any music or merch or the lessons or anything like that, you can just, of course go to GuthrieTrap.com. And um I've got my uh, private Skype and Zoom lessons on there. And I can, uh, I, I can do in-person lessons in Nashville, but I, I've, since COVID, I've just kind of been going to the Skype and Zoom stuff. And then the, the really good one, the, the best bang for your buck and the real, like, professionally recorded and shot with uh, pro audio and video is this company called ArtistWorks, and that's ArtistWorks.com. And there's, like, 35 uh, teachers on there. And it's, um, I have the Country Electric Guitar School but it's not limited to that. It's right. basically just, you know, all the concepts we've been talking about how to kind of yeah. start playing over chord changes and stuff like that and and it's a really good company. They're they're like the pinnacle of online learning. You can do video exchanges where you've got you've got access to my full curriculum that we that we recorded, but you also have the option of sending in a video of your progress or with any questions and then I get that in my queue and I respond with a video. So it's video exchange learning. And um, it's a great, it's a great school, man. The the owners and, and all the people that work there are friends of mine. I've been out to Napa, California and videoed with them a bunch of times. And, and uh, they've got teachers like John Patitucci, Nathan East, uh, Paul Gilbert, Brian Sutton, uh, Keith Wyatt does the blues course. I mean, they've got classical jazz, bluegrass, all kinds of different stuff. So really great school. Uh, so there's that. Check that out. And, you know, follow my uh, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff that no, we you have got to some, do. I've
1: got one of your records. Pick Peace. Yeah, I did a couple records. I, yeah. I'd, I'd like to I think
3: I'd like to come maybe like to come down here to New Orleans and do another one, do a third one down here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a couple records floating around out there I'm gonna and
1: play some things in the, you know, I'm oh, gonna, in a, okay cool Put a couple yeah yeah in there.
3: and i got a, the latest one that i did it was a couple years ago but there's the first one's all instrumental kind of a little kind of sort of stripped down and then the second one i did has a bunch of guest singers on there vince gills on there jimmy hall uh the mccrary sisters becca bramlett wow. uh, so there's nobody a bunch, good of, was bunch available. of good singers on there yeah and a <laughs> bunch of different musicians on that one too and a lot of different kinds of music i played some acoustic guitar electric guitar some of those songs on there are, i'm pretty proud of um and then uh, the first one was my first record so it kind of f- sounds like a a first record <laughs> oh man sometimes <laughs> I'm, I'm first to, records are the best i'm man. always yeah. trying to figure my shit out but but uh yeah thanks a million shane for having me on here man absolutely bro really great great to yeah. see your studio and and man shane's one of my favorite guitar players and and proud to be able to call him a friend of oh, mine
1: um, likewise man yeah thanks, thanks man so all right thanks for tuning in later.
2: <laughs> All
1: right everybody, thanks for checking that out. Yeah, we it could have went on and on as as is the case usually here on the riffraff. A lot of other jams happen after that, some of which may see the light of day at some point on my website. Um, yeah, hit me up Instagram, Facebook, check out com. Thank you for listening. Next time.